0: This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, we have Sue Bush. This is one of the three coaches and founders of the Physique Development crew. Uh, Physique Development is a coaching company uh, mainly geared towards, you guessed it, Physique development. So they work in the aesthetic world. They work with a lot of competitors um, and a lot of individuals just trying to take their results to a next level. So um, these guys have actually become quite close friends of mine and we've just kind of grown together over time from different events, chatting here and there. Me and Austin have met up multiple times around the country. Um, and it's just been a really cool relationship that I've been able to foster and build. And they were all over here at the headquarters here in Seattle, Washington, uh, a couple months ago, just Maybe a month ago, not too long ago. You guys probably heard the Roundtable podcast. If not, we'll link that in the show notes where it was Alex Bush, Sue Bush, and Austin Curran, all three of the physique development head coaches in the same room with me doing a round table style. So all four of us on a podcast, which is really fun. But I also wanted to pull Sue aside and do a podcast with her because I had already previously had both Alex and Austin on the podcast. And now was a good time to talk to the female counterpart of the group. So today you're gonna hear learn a lot from Sue. She is a certified trainer. She is a certified nutritionist. um, And she is somebody who is helping mainly females step outside their comfort zone and develop their physiques long-term. And I think that's really what we tried to focus on today was not just any one topic, but more so her story and journey towards finding the right path to physique development. And then mainly how the female body can be built the best way possible. So we do touch on maintenance phases. We touch on cutting phases. We touch on, touch on gaining phases. We touch on hormones. We touch on a lot of different topics, um, including body image, which is another thing that gets brought up quite a bit inside the competitive competition or physique development world. Um, So I think you're going to get a lot out of this podcast, whether you are a female looking for guidance or you are a coach working with females who needs better education on how to better guide them. You're going to learn a ton from Sue and myself on how to direct women in the right way towards their ideal physique. So I'm excited for you to listen to this. Guys, if you like the show, make sure that you tag us on Instagram. Take a screenshot of this episode right now. Head over to Instagram. Post it on your story. Tag Sue. Her her handle is at Sue Gaines. That is Gaines with a Z. And uh, mine is at Cody Boom Boom, Cody dot Boom Boom. Um, tag us on Instagram. We want to thank you for listening and we want to share it on our story as well. And without any further ado, let's get on to the episode with the one and only Sue Bush. Uh, first question I have for you. Are you left-handed?
1: No, I'm right-handed. No, okay.
0: I've never seen anybody wear the mic on that side. Oh. That's why I was asking. I was I like, just, she might be a lefty.
1: No, I just put it on the way I picked it up. Okay.
0: <laughs> we're trying to uh, We're trying to figure out if my daughter is left-handed or not, but you're not supposed to like... You're not supposed to try to get them to do anything cause mm-hmm. you're supposed to let them do it naturally, but we're like watching. She's been using her left hand today. It's <laughs> the right hand that goes back and forth. Um, but cool. So I have uh, Sue Gaines here, Sue Bush, today on the podcast from Physique Development. I have the whole crew here, but we're going to do an interview real quick. Um, let's start with just kind of, we're going to dive into your story a little bit, but fill the listeners in on who you are, how you got into this, um, how you became Sue Gaines. <laughs> um In that whole spiel.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, like you said, my name's Sue Gaines um, on Instagram. (laughs) My real name is Sue Bush, but I actually got into this, or I can tell the story of how the name Sue Gaines came about because it's kind of a funny story, Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of ties into how I got into fitness as well as, um, in high school, I was trying to find myself as a lot of high schoolers are, but, um, my parents were pretty strict growing up, which I'm very appreciative of now looking back on it. Uh, but when I got to college, it was like freedom, let's do it. And so with that, I had grown up in a very Christian household, very strict household, and then had all this freedom. And so it was like, let's, let's do something with this freedom. Um, and at that time I was still really struggling with who I was and who I wanted to be. Um, and in high school, like I was talking about with you yesterday that, um, my major in college is broadcast journalism and I Mm -hmm. did broadcast all through high school. Um, and then, uh, with doing it in high school, I always reported the sports. So my Instagram name was sporty Sue, because that's literally what they put as my name, um, on like the lower thirds of what my name was when we were doing the announcements. I was always sporty Sue with the sports. Um, and I also played sports, uh, all through high school. So it kind of made sense. And then I got to college and everyone was like, why are you Sporty Sue? You don't do sports. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, time to change it. So I changed it. I'd gone to a Two Chains concert um, with all this freedom that I had. I was going to rap concerts, doing the alcohol, <laughs> the whole shebang, doing uh, the alcohol. Doing the alcohol. <laughs> and uh, we were at a Two Chains concert, and it was like Two Chains Sue Chains. So then, all through college or the first few years, everyone knew me as Sue Chains, and that's what my Instagram was. Um, and I actually still have like a personal. Instagram. That was like my Instagram from when Instagram started. Mm-hmm. Um, that is Sue Chains. And that's what I was all through college. And then when I started a fitness Instagram, I actually started it because I was getting made fun of for posting stuff on my normal Instagram. So I was like, well, I don't really care about these people, but I also know that I Kind of do care about these people, and so I started a second Instagram and named it Sue Gaines as a playoff of Sue Chains. Um, but it's it's gone really well, and a lot of people find the name funny. Some people think Gaines is my maiden name, spelled like a name Gaines would be without the Z. Right, um, and it's funny because my main name's strange. So when I say like, no, my maiden name's strange, people are like, oh, what is it? I'm like, no, I was, it's, I was literally, it's strange. I was literally about
0: that. Like, it's actually strange. It's actually strange. Oh, wow. Yeah, I
1: was so strange. Have you ever uh, seen Gotham? Do you ever watch? Um, I haven't, but I get asked if I'm like Dr. Strange go, yeah. and that that's like of That's like one stuff. of my
0: favorite shows ever. I'm, I'm a huge Batman fan. So yeah. Um, that's very, it's it's funny how nicknames will stick with you for so damn long. I know for me, uh, Cody Boom Boom came from sports in high school. And then after high school, people did like, why is your nickname Cody Boom Boom? And even then, it was like from sports, but I was like, I
1: don't know. I don't even know.
0: <laughs> the announcer just said it one day, and then it just kind it of carried stuck.
1: on. It stuck, yeah. So with that, the Sioux gains came from the Sioux Chains, and it kind of shows my identity shifting if we want to get really deep into metaphors. Yeah. But like I said, in college, it was this freedom that I had never had before. I was going out drinking. I was getting involved in things I probably shouldn't have gotten involved in. Um, and I was really – very much so still trying to find my identity. So I had realized that I was getting popularity with being the girl that went out a lot. Mm. Um, And so I had a lot of friends or going out friends where I just felt so lonely and I felt so lost. And it was truly the first time that I was alone because I didn't have any family super close by. I didn't have anything. It was just me and I was up to my own devices. (laughs) Um, And I realized that hey, the people I'm hanging out with do not have my best interest in mind. I'm really struggling. I don't like how I feel. And no one drinks this much because they love themselves. Um, And so at that point, it was probably a year and a half into college, I, like, stopped going out cold turkey. I was like, I'm done with this. I don't want this for my life anymore. Um, And at that time, that whole year and a half, I'd been going to the gym but had no clue what to do with my diet, had really no clue what I was doing in the gym, just what I had learned from sports, Mm -hmm. which now looking back was very inaccurate as to how I was supposed to go about Yes. Um, And I just was like, I'm done with this. I don't need to be doing this. I don't want to be this person anymore. I don't want to wake up at 8 a.m. and feel like I need to drink a fifth of alcohol to go to a tailgate. Like I don't want to be that person. Um, And so I just stopped going out. I lost all of my friends, basically, and it sucked. And I was so lonely. But I had actually committed to a prep at that time, which... I would tell anyone looking to prep not to just Mm -hmm. dive into it like that, to have more time training under their belt, um, to really have more of a full picture. But I knew that that was like my ticket out because I knew if I spent that money on something that I wouldn't like backtrack. I knew that I wasn't strong enough in who I was or who I wanted to be. I'd always been so molded by the people around me. I had a strong personality and everyone always told me that. That was very outgoing, had that personality, but it was something that I just wasn't stronger confident in who I was. Mm -hmm. And so me committing upfront, I paid for front upfront for a coach and everything for my whole prep. And I was like, I don't have any money. I'm a broke college student and I just spent it all. So, like, I don't have money to go out. I know someone asked me to go out. I've already committed to this. This is a coach that, like, I wanna make proud and I wanna make myself proud. And so, I like use that prep as my way out. And so, anytime someone asked me to go out, I was always like, no, I'm busy, I'm doing something else. And that was like the way I was able to be strong enough to kind of get out of that cycle of doing something that didn't bring me joy, that people literally didn't care about me at all. Um, and being able to really start to take that step to being the person I wanted to be.
0: Well, and I think it's, it is actually cool. It's, it's kind of similar to, to my story. After high school, I had a lot of people who were either doing the same thing or they were off at colleges that I wasn't at. Mm-hmm. So I felt alone, and I was trying to get away from partying and things like that, and I turned to fitness as well. And I think one of the coolest things about it is, is you turn to like a new sedation that you can control you Mm -hmm. can't control what people say what people do how parties go like all those things that happen to you in those situations it's really out of your control and it's kind of obnoxious but with training and nutrition you're literally manipulating your health your fitness your physique and it's all under your control, so it kind of gives you this, uh, it's almost like a, an empowering sense of independence yeah. versus a lonely sense of independence. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, 100%. And I was actually on Matt McCloud, we actually went to college together. So it's oh, yeah. funny that you guys are all friends with him now and I like watched him turn pro in his uh, federation and like we went and we were in prep during the same time in college um, and really leaned on each other and we were like gym friends to start off um, and just being able to go through that. But we talked about how fitness was that vehicle for both of us to be able to take us to where we needed to. Mm -hmm. And for so many other people can be so many different things. It doesn't have to be fitness for anyone listening, but fitness more than anything and being able to have something that I can control that was actually bettering me instead of like deteriorating me. Um, But it was also something that showed how capable I was because again, I was someone that I, I was really good at school. I was really capable at school, but I didn't know like, what I wanted to do. I was such a follower and so lost and so not confident. And I had turned to so many friends and friend groups that literally did not care about me, but I just wanted to feel Whole, basically and fitness was something that allowed me to realize how capable I truly was like picking up a weight and realizing I could lift heavier than that and being able to push myself and at the end of each day knowing like I hit my macros or I did my training session it taught me that discipline but it also really allowed me to figure out who I was because I was no longer hiding behind going out or being like this funny person or any I wasn't like coping with things anymore I was actually like digging into it because I was alone and I had to, I, I only had myself. So I kind of had to face the music, so to speak, and figure out who I was and who I wanted to be.
0: I love that. Um, because we're on this topic and we're kind of going into your journey, uh, I really want to, I want to touch on a few topics with you today that I think will shed light for women listening, because uh, there's a lot of females doing things incorrectly, or there's a lot of men doing things, <laughs> things really wrong too. So I don't mean it in that type of way, but um, from a standpoint of like long-term physique development, since you are a part of physique development, mm-hmm. I want to keep that route, And that's why I bring up women because I think there's so many women who don't take time to build muscle, are afraid to lift heavier weights like you were just talking about, are afraid to commit to a longer period of time to not just lose weight but go through phases of dieting. Um, and I'd love to hear from you first. What were your biggest mistakes that you made at the beginning? And then, um, as a tag along to that, whether it is the same or if it's different, what are the biggest mistakes you see women make that come to you for help?
1: Yeah, I would say for myself, it was definitely just um, two things really: It's not eating enough food, which is very common, mm, yeah. um, but then also not reaching out and asking questions because I was a female in the space and um, I went to University of Kentucky and at the gym, the JC, if anyone's listening, goes there, you know, it's a very masculine place down where the weights are. And then like the cardio's upstairs and all the girls go to do the cardio. And I know that sounds like a stereotype, but that's how it was. It was very hard for women to kind of break down into the weight section. And when I was breaking into it, I was doing it and I was kind of doing my own thing, but I also was stuck in like not wanting to look weak and not wanting to ask for help and being in a place where I actually needed help. So it was something that I would. I would have like inquired more if someone looked like they knew what they were doing to ask more questions. But I also did. Um, I I was very much so excited by fitness at that time, so I did deep dive into a lot of things. bodybuilding.com, mm-hmm. um, and its Prime was something that the I forums. went to for the forums for all of that. I actually did like a uh, bodybuilding that two hundred and fifty k challenge. You um, know what's funny
0: about that is like I whenever I have this exact conversation, I always think like. I wonder how many of us who are friends and coaches now were on the same forums. Yeah, and we didn't realize it. Didn't know at all because we were all reading all those. Yeah, you know what I mean.
1: And that was like the resource. Yeah, Um, and but not eating enough because I remember I had not learned necessarily about macros yet, but I had learned about calories, and I was. I had a friend at that time that we really held each other accountable in college and with going to the gym. Um, and I remember being like, oh, I'm so proud of myself. I kept it under like 1,500 calories today, or I kept it under 1,200 calories today just because I didn't know any better. I mean, all growing up, all I saw in magazines was like, how to lose weight fast or you have to cut out carbs or you have to do X, Y, and Z. And I never questioned those things. They're just so popular. And there is some truth to that. Like, yeah, if you're going to cut carbs, you're going to lose weight because you're cutting your caloric intake. But I didn't think all the way through that. I just thought carbs are bad for you or this is bad for you or whatever it may be. I was just looking at lower calorie options all the time. Um, So once I started to learn about macros and learn more about food in general was really cool because, again, I had this major misconception about what food was, what good food was, what bad food was, what I was allowed to eat. Um, that once I started to learn more and more about macros and learn about food, I went through the like IFYM phase where I just ate like all junk food and then I kind of learned more and then we're able to transition into realizing that food isn't the devil, like There's not good and bad food, being able to progress from there. And then thankfully, because I had signed up for a prep, I had also done the reverse diet and everything and had gone through that with a coach to be able to kind of ask questions, use that person as a resource, um, and to really recognize that there is a time and a place because I think also in like very common media, no one talks about the concept of reverse dieting. Like I didn't know that phrase until I got into like bodybuilding, which I think is really sad because that's where I see people come to me is that they diet and then they just go right back to normal eating, which is, fine to a certain degree, but then they expect their body just to lose the weight and keep it all off, never gain another pound ever yeah. again. And I think just like the misinformation as well as the lack of information, like real actual educational stuff um, is where a lot of people come to me stunted. So for females, a lot of people come to me completely under eating and completely believing myths about food. Um, and so it's something that I kind of have to really dig through the first eight weeks of even before we get into anything of being able to like clean slate, build it back up and then get to a good spot.
0: I love everything you just said, <laughs> because one, it's it's a big passion of mine to talk about uh, periodization of nutrition with everybody. And Mm -hmm. I think that it's, it's for so long, it's getting better now, but for so long, it's been like, if you are in bodybuilding, then you do periodize your nutrition to have an off season, a reverse dieting phase, all these things. Um, if you are an athlete, uh, CrossFit football, whatever you periodize training, weightlifter periodize training, but nobody in general pop that just wants a fat loss ever periodizes it. Even like advanced gym pop, Mm -hmm. like me technically is that because I don't compete but you still need to reverse diet. You still need to recover. And and another thing I talk about is a a priming phase. And it's Mm -hmm. the same thing you said. We spend at least a couple weeks, but sometimes it's two months of just trying to build your habits, build your consistency, get you to a good caloric base before we start pulling calories, get you feeling right and understanding the system before we start slashing calories. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really good that people like us are, are coming out and talking about this stuff. What is the importance of phasing a diet and phasing training as well um, for for women, because I think that something that's starting to become more popular, and I think you're a perfect example to be able to like shed light on this, and, and more than me because I'm a I'm a male, so mm-hmm. I can say just build muscle, and people are like, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. um, but like I get a lot of questions about spending time building muscle, spending time in maintenance, letting the scale go up a little bit um, for women and, and, and how that scares them and how they're afraid to jump into that process. But I mean, you're a perfect example where it's like you do spend time trying to maintain or trying to build muscle, trying to gain a little bit of weight. And you look great so it's not like a (laughs) you're welcome and you're about to get on stage now um but it's part of the process and i think like if we look at everything you just said i mean that's years Mm -hmm. of process for you right years of education and trial and error and trying different things and phases so people expecting i I had that post where it was like if you if you gained weight in four years why do you expect to lose it in four weeks And it's like people need to constantly have that message so back to the question like the importance of phasing these these uh, training and nutrition for, for women to actually get where they want to be
1: yeah I would say a big part of it is just being able to realize that there's more to life than fitness. Um, you made a great post about maintenance it's the least sexy phase and it's my absolute favorite phase to be in. It's very easy within dieting because you're seeing results. Yeah. You're hungry. Yeah. You might be tired, whatever. But like in 12 weeks, you can see incredible dieting results. You can see that weight. You can see as the days get more and more that like each morning you wake up leaner and you see that and that's very addictive. Um, and it's very cool to see that progress. When you're not seeing progress day-to-day or week-to-week, that's when it gets hard. And I think for women specifically, I'm sure other men, um, men struggle with this as well, but so, so much of our lives, the scale is driven into us. Um, and I even had like, there was some gross, (laughs) I say gross just because it hurts my head that I believed it for so long. Um, there's a infographic that was either on like Pinterest or some website talking about like your height, and what your perfect weight would be at your height. Oh, um, and I remember like for someone five, six, it was 120 pounds. And people ask me often like, hey, since you compete, how do you live your life post-competing? Like a lot of people will praise me just saying you do a great job of going back to a normal body, not trying to stay lean for forever. You do a great job of being able to put on weight and not care. And it's like, I realized it literally, the weight that I wanted to be my whole entire life is not maintainable. Mm-hmm. And it's not something I'm willing to give up the the rest of my life for to be that weight. Um, so competing actually helped me in the sense of realizing that to get to that weight that I was told was would make me like valuable as a female. Yeah that weight takes so much out of me. It makes me not a good, not a great wife. It makes me not a good sister. It makes me not a great friend because I'm so tired. I'm so worn down. It makes me not a good coach. I don't want to live my life at that weight.
0: Well, even even if if you factor in the muscle you've built over the years too, it kind of changes that right yeah, now because now you have 100%. to work even harder to get to that weight. And five pounds heavier might actually be the image, but because that infographic, for example, yeah. but like these, these images people see – print that number on your brain it's very hard to accept that yeah right and i think that's like super important because what is like so many people are like oh i just want to get shredded i want to get point. and sometimes i'm like but why like i can think of when i'm happiest and i'm not shredded. super shredded yeah I'm, I'm lean and I'm confident. And as long as I'm like, and this sounds crazy, but as long as I'm confident naked in front of my wife, <laughs> that's all that matters. Yeah. And if she's happy, I'm happy. But that's not ever me shredded. She actually mm-hmm. prefers me not being yeah. shredded. Yeah.
1: I mean, Alex, the same where someone was saying something about like, oh, I'm sure he likes you when you have more weight. I was like, he actually likes me more when I have more weight on me. Not only because like now when he hugs me, he says like my sternum digs into him <laughs> and he's like, you're like hugging a brick wall. Like you're not nice to hug. Yeah. He's like, we were on the couch the other day and he tried. To like lean his head on my shoulder. And he's like, that's not comfortable. That's like, just ow. like muscle or bone poking out. Um, where like, he doesn't like me at that. Not that he doesn't like me. He likes me more with a little bit more weight on me. Not only do I have more energy, I have more time to do things. I have more flexibility within my life. So the biggest thing within women and dieting is that Like I have clients that come to me and they're like, I've been in some sort of diet since I was 17, since I was 16 and they've never taken time away from dieting. And the big thing, and that's why I say like that primer time where I'm really nailing things down first, going into a dieting phase when you have really high hunger, when you don't have different variables locked down like your sleep, like stress management, like getting water in, like even just getting actual nutrient-dense foods in, going in or digestion is messed up. Going into a dieting phase is not going to be advantageous. It's not going to be optimal. And it's also something that I need your mentality to be in a spot where you're mainly happy with where you're at and you want to progress. Because if you start a dieting phase from absolute loathing of your body, you're never going to be happy. It's never going to be good enough for you.
0: I, I said something on a podcast that said, uh, you won't, it was like, it was about getting a six pack and it was basically like a six pack uh, won't make you love yourself. Loving yourself will help you get a six pack or something yeah. along those lines. And it's kind of the same thing, Body right? Follows and, the mind. Exactly. And I think, I think that's super important. And I also think that, um, people would, could actually be happier. Like, cause you, you talk about your off season weight, like mm-hmm. when you gain weight, that's still relatively lean. And yeah. I think people forget because they see social media Um, and they will see a picture, and that's why, like, if you look at like all the pictures I take with photo shoots, I'm never shirtless. I'm always because like my arms always stay lean. Mm -hmm. Very rarely am I shirtless because I don't stay shredded all the time. And I think people see pictures of people who take a million photos shirtless, and then they just spread them out, Mm -hmm. and they think that's how they sustain themselves. But it's not. And I think people could be happier, a little bit heavier than what their ideal. Images, if they just allowed themselves to like be in that phase yeah. for a little bit. Does that make sense? And also
1: recognizing that the scale doesn't have to hold that all. So, yeah, I have pictures and I try to post them. I always like forget that people get in this headspace, but I try to post pictures of like me a few years ago at 130 pounds, me now at 130 pounds. Like, I look night and day different. I do not look like the same person whatsoever. But if I only looked at the scale, I would be like, four years have passed. I've seen no progress mm-hmm. when it's like, so many other things have been gained and i had a client who she came to me eating like 1200 calories and i raised her to 1700 calories without any weight gain which was incredible Mm -hmm. and she was like i feel like i'm not progressing and i was like you're eating 500 more calories a day at the same weight you have more energy you have your water intake down you've learned how to navigate through food while you're eating out you've learned how to travel with food you've learned all these things but the only metric most women look at is the scale and it's like
0: oh my god it's and and (laughs) At the very, very, very least, that person is healthier physiologically and psychologically because of those calories. And that's assuming that she didn't recomp whatsoever. But most likely when you're adding that many calories, if she's training well, she's probably trading some fat for muscle, Um, especially if it's it's somebody that has come from a history of of never really giving Mm -hmm. themselves food and stuff like that. Um, and that's, and that's actually one of the things I, I really want to touch on with you too, is like the importance of building muscle as a female too. And and maybe some more realistic perspectives with mm. it. Um, whether that's, uh, uh, how much weight you should be gaining, like how often to be doing this, how to like, how hard you should be pushing the gym. I see a lot of women that do a lot of circuit training and stuff. And I try to convince them to like go in the gym, build some strength and like really put some weight on the bar, like try to get stronger and, and progressively overload. Um, because I think that people see like an athlete's body and you having that picture of four year difference is perfect. Cliff Wilson had a really good one. He posted the other day um, and it was like 17 month difference, same weight, And the lady looked night and so day different. different, but it's like muscles, not that big. So if you over a long period of time and we all see those pictures where it's like, here's a pound of fat, here's a pound of muscle. Mm-hmm. But it's so true for the general pop that doesn't understand. It's like, if you trade fat for muscle over a long period of time, you will be the same weight but you will look exactly so, how you want to yeah. look. So I have women that come to me that are like, they really want to lose weight. And I'm like, I think you want to lose fat based on what your your image is, but they're so attached to getting to this number on the scale. Then they get there and they're like,
1: I'm not the there yet. I yeah, <laughs> I'm
0: not there yet. I want to lose a little bit more here. I want to look
1: more toned.
0: Yeah. So, so like maybe we talk on that, like, Almost like I hate to say this, like stubborn body fat, but mm-hmm. like getting to that level where because I'll have women that will get to that point where they're at their goal weight, but they don't look the way they look. And I'm like, hey, to, in order to lose that stubborn fat, you actually need to reverse, maintain and then build muscle and then come back to a cut months and months and months down mm-hmm. the road. Do you agree with that? And can yeah. you explain on how important that is?
1: Yeah. I try to be as upfront and honest with clients as possible with it when it comes to a weight loss phases is the fact that first, I'm not going to keep you in a six month weight loss phase or in a dieting phase as gen pop. You don't need that. I mean, as competitors, I try not to make it six plus months because that's hard on you. Mm-hmm. That's hard on you in so many different ways. And that can cause lasting effects when you're in that for so long. But it's also something of the fact of oftentimes you can't just, reach your goals in one dieting phase. My goals, my dieting phase four plus years ago, I didn't reach my goals in that dieting phase. And now four, five, six years down the road, I'm still trying to accomplish that, not to discourage you and say it's going to take six years, but for my specific goals within bodybuilding and competitions, it does. But if I would have just gotten to that first dieting phase and been like, I don't look the way I want to, I should just keep dieting. That would have messed me up, so to speak, so much more because I would be chasing after something that wasn't possible going in that direction. Mm -hmm. It's like you're trying to get to Alaska and you keep going south and you're just like, why am I not getting there? And it's like because you didn't take a second to map it out like you talk about with periodization. And I think that a lot of people start to think like, oh, I don't want to like bulk and gain all this weight. It doesn't have to be that. And as long as you keep that open dialogue with your coach, especially when someone's like, I'm already not feeling the best. I still have more weight to lose. For example, I just had a client, she lost 18 pounds in a 25 week dieting phase. I really pushed her. We lost 18 pounds. She still has another 20 pounds to lose. I was like, we can't lose that 20 pounds in this dieting phase. And she was very receptive to it because I was upfront from the beginning. We are going to need more than one dieting phase. And we had taken diet breaks along that 25 weeks. She had traveled, she had done other stuff. We had gone about it in the right way, but it was just in the spot where it wasn't going to be beneficial for us. And so what we did is I raised food and we are now trying to figure out where maintenance is for her her weight hasn't spiked a huge bunch. I mean, like if we're talking about how much weight should I gain, I would say like you can still gain that five to 10 pounds, but it's going to look different on your body, especially if you're periodizing training alongside Mm -hmm. with it. If you're being smart about things, like it it can look really good.
0: Water, general, general glycogen. uh, And I always tell people too is like, you have more food, so yeah. literally more food's in your stomach. That's going to weigh. Every time you eat more food, typically that's going to lead to more condiments or uh, seasonings, which means more salt, salt poles and water, carbs pull and water, like – you're going to weigh more. So like, but that's not like, oh, you just added five pounds of fat Yeah, and people really need to be aware of that.
1: And so we've been able to increase her food a little bit and we'll be in this phase for a little bit of time. I'm not trying to push the envelope and push food so high that she gains this astronomical amount Mm -hmm. of weight that she feels uncomfortable. I'm just trying to get food and systems in the best place to respond. Because when we talk about things, we want to do things the most optimally. No one wants to sit and tread water for forever. They actually want to get to their destination. And so being able to do it in a way that that's not treading water is going to be the best. And I think that as coaches, we need to do a better job of vocalizing it instead of trying to like make the client happy or assuming they know what we know is being able to say like, Hey, you're going to need more than one dieting phase. We're going to need to do it in this part. And that helps them mentally kind of realize where they're at, not feel like they're always failing because they're not reaching their goal, but also be able to put them in the spot where, again, recognizing that it's not just their weight that matters in life. And I really like to take that whole picture approach because for clients, it's like they, they're like, well, I, I can keep it up. I can keep dieting. And it's like, Where's your quality of life? That's what yeah. we need to assess right this second. If your quality of life is shit, your, your body weight doesn't matter whatsoever. Yeah. It doesn't. If you've ostracized everyone in your life because you're a pain to be around, because you're dieting and you've made all these restrictions on yourself, like that doesn't matter and no longer matters. So really being able to vocalize it to them and put the game plan together and say like, Hey, this is subject to change this game plan. I just laid out for these next few months, but this is where my head's going. We'll have open conversation about it and be able to kind of circle back to this and where we're at, but being able to recognize, like you don't need to push food an astronomical amount. I mean, to gain muscle, I was in a slight surplus. Most of my off season, I had pushed into a very high surplus. I realized that my digestion feedback wasn't as good. I wasn't performing as well in the gym. I made it a more, um, slight, like made it more of a maintenance conservative. slash conservative surplus. I was able to perform better in the gym, better digestion. And I was in that phase for over a year. I didn't diet for over a year. And it was so great, not only for my quality of life to kind of get back to normal, make sure my hormones were all in a good spot, but also being able to set myself up for the next time I diet to be in the best spot. Because oftentimes people don't think about that mental taxation of dieting. Like, you can't just diet into oblivion. It's diet it's, fatigue. Yeah. It freaking taxes mm-hmm. you. And so, being able to, like, be ready to diet again and be excited instead of dragging your feet, because that into what weight you're gonna lose. Like people yeah. don't think about that. If you're constantly reminding yourself how tired you are, um, like how much it sucks to diet and all that, that plays into what your dieting results are gonna be. Yeah. And so your body follows your mind, your mentality plays a whole role in it, as well as how your hormones adapt to that for long-term dieting. And so really being able to bring it full circle, look at the full picture, look at what your quality of life is and then forge a game plan. I would say 99.9% of clients come to me. I want to lose weight or I want to do this. And it's like, first, you're not in the place to lose weight. And if you are in the place to lose weight, we can't diet for forever. So let's put together a game plan and let's recognize that being in maintenance doesn't mean that you gave up or that you lost or that you're going to get fat. It means that you're setting yourself up for success because you're not looking at this as just a means to an end point A to point B. It's looking at your life.
0: I love that. I think that um, one of the most important things that like coaches can be doing and and it's, it's surprising to me that people will like, they'll sign up with us and they'll work with us and they're like, Almost shocked when we first start going because we go, hey, like, we're going to take you through this priming phase. It's probably going to be this long. It's subject to change. But this is where we're at here. After we get done with that, we're going to go into what we call a progressive phase. This is where we're actually going to attack fat loss and we're going to try to lose weight and we're going to put you in a deficit. We're going to have uh, periodized diet breaks this often, most likely. We're going to follow biofeedback and kind of change that depending on what it is. Eventually, we'll get to a recovery phase where we got to get you out of it. And I always tell people, like, six months is probably the longest I'll push for most people. Um, and that's with diet breaks, including, but I'll usually say like, Hey, we're probably going to stop between the 12 to 16 week mark, no matter what. So Mm -hmm. like you said with your client earlier, it's like, even if you're not at your goal yet, I'm going to use this time to build you to maintenance as like an insurance policy. So we don't just keep pressing. And then you stop checking in, you start binging, you fall off. And I don't Mm -hmm. know what's going on, but it's because that fatigue from the diet just accumulated to a level that you don't understand. I think with a competitor, it's a little bit different because Mm -hmm. you can wake up and be like, Oh shit, this is getting to me. (laughs) Let me tell my coach. Yeah. Normal people are like, why do I feel moody? Why am I stressed? Why do I not have motivation? I just want to eat everything. Fuck this, and they just go off the mm-hmm. rails. Um, people like us can kind of go, oh shit, like I'm gonna need a diet break soon. I'm gonna tell my coach, like we gotta do something soon. Yeah. I can hold off for a few more days, <laughs> you know. But, um, but I think that's so important. Now, with with actually trying to gain weight, um, what do you like to see with women? I, I, I always have a trouble like talking about like a, a rate of gain with mm-hmm. women. It's easier with men, um, especially because most men don't have a problem gaining weight. Yeah. But with women, like what is your recommended weight gain um, during like a weekly or a monthly process? Cause we talked about like even going slow in that time. And I think that can be hard for people too, because if we're going really slow, you need to commit to more time because if you look at your average weight per week, it might be like barely going up, mm-hmm. you know? And so you have to be like, Hey, like, just remember, like, you did this for a year. So, like, yeah. take an outside perspective or, like, a bird's-eye view and go, in a year, where am I going to be at? And that's, like, what people want to focus. But what do you try to do with gaining and yeah. you, when you recommend that? I would that? say
1: I do have to really look at the individual. So I have some clients that are like, oh, I'm very understanding of this process. I understand I need to gain weight. I'm good with it. I have some that it's, like pulling teeth and nail Mm -hmm. to get them to eat more food. And I kind of have to weigh how much of their mentality is playing into that to keep them engaged and keep them bought into the process. So I had a client who she had been just long-term dieting for a long time. I reversed her and then we went into another dieting phase. But as I was reversing, I went much slower with her than I would have. Like if I'm just looking at like data in and out, this is what I do. But it was like her as a person, she needed a little bit more time to be able to adjust to it. But if I'm talking about like just general things. Um, I like to see at the beginning, you might see some weight, like three pounds right away. But as we talked about, that can be glycogen, that can be water, that can be a few different things. Um, But then from there, looking at half a pound um, a week, just because that is going to be better for females and making sure that they're not getting caught up and just like, let me get my macros higher. It's like, is this food actually doing something for you? So being able to increase food, give it a week or two, maybe three weeks, be able to see how they respond instead of just taking, oh, your weight stayed the same or it went down, let me increase food, all this. Mm -hmm. um, Because I do find especially for myself that I got into a fact of oh my food's going up I need my food to get higher and then I got so caught up with how high my macros were going that I wasn't in tune with my body and t- took that second to be like oh I actually don't need more food I feel good at where I am at we're in a good spot
0: so that's the, the, 2 pounds a month is it's somewhat aggressive I think for for women to like conceptualize mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I, as you can imagine, a lot of women are like, fuck, two pounds a month. I don't want to gain that much. Do you ever think there's a reason? Because sometimes I'll even pull it down from that just because I recognize – like like at first we see that spike because like you said, water, glycogen, maybe um, you're finally eating more food and everything. But at a certain point, I think it's time because – there's only so much muscle mass, like physiologically mm-hmm. speaking, that your body can put on naturally. Yeah. Um, so and I like that you talked about like a conservative surplus earlier because I think a lot of people are like, Well, I stopped gaining, I'm just gonna add more food. And it's like, Well, how does your training look? How does your yeah. nutrient timing? How's your stress? Can you just give more time? Because more food isn't necessarily just gonna be like, build more muscle, you yeah. know, unless you're injecting steroids <laughs> like you need time and you need training stimulus. Yeah. So, is there ever a reason to do a little bit less and even go slower?
1: Yeah, I would I would say again it kind of feeds into where the individuals at mentally yeah. because um more than anything, I want to pay attention to that and then their biofeedback. So, I want to pay attention to their digestion, I want to pay attention to their sleep, um how they're mentally feeling and then how their training's going and looking at that as a whole because there are times where it's like we could push the envelope a little bit, but there's also times where it's like, okay, how much of that is going to be muscle versus fat? and being able to have that conversation like hey while we're increasing food you might still be a little bit hungry and that's okay and i yeah. think vocalizing and having the conversation like hunger's okay it's not the end of the world you don't always need to eat till full satisfaction during this time frame is a good time to have that conversation because in dieting people think oh either i have to be starving or if i'm hungry then i'm doing something wrong it's yeah. kind of like one or the other. And it's like hunger's okay in a dieting phase. It's actually good. It shows that your hormones are in the spot that they need to be because if I'm cutting your food and you're having no hunger, that's a red flag in and of itself. And so being able to see hunger there is good. Being able to see hunger in the opposite way as reverse dieting is good as well. It's good to see that. And it's also something that it's good to be in tune with of how hungry am I actually, or is it this concept of I'm getting more food, I need to eat more. Um, and I think that I'm a really good example. I don't want to just like toot my own horn, but kind of, um, (laughs) where I am a natural athlete. I've been at this for years. Um, and it's something that I, I'm not genetically inclined. I'm not a genetic freak. I'm not someone who has good genetics. I've been told by different coaches and and different people in my life like you don't have good genetics not even like you are not genetically elite. You don't even like have average genetics. You have below average genetics, but you are constantly working with your genetics mm-hmm. instead of using it as an excuse or working against them, recognizing what I'm capable of and investing time in that. And like you talked about, the only thing standing between me and my goals from four years ago is time. Yeah. I have the same work ethic. Maybe I'm a little bit more intelligent or I'd hope so. Um, I've learned some more along the way, but at the end of the day, my effort was the same. I just needed time for my yeah. body to respond Like you said, there's only so much muscle you can put on naturally. And I think that people see the scale go up. They see their body changing and it looks good. And they're like, I put on five pounds of just muscle in 12 weeks. And it's like, "Eh, probably not, but your body does look good. You probably have a little bit more muscle Mm -hmm. and females listening. The more muscle you have, the more calories you will burn because muscle does burn calories. And that's also something that I talk about when it comes to training different body parts. A lot of women don't train their chest and it's like your chest is a huge muscle. You want to train that to build up that muscle to have those, you're burning more calories. And you're also just making sure you have a balanced physique as a whole, which is always a good point to make, but it's just the fact that it's always rush, 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 and realizing that your body does need time to adjust. And even talking about those who come to me chronically dieting for five years, I'm not going to fix it in 12 weeks. And I try to be as upfront as possible with the fact like you need to commit to six months to a year. That's not to trap you. That's not because I can't get clients and I need you to stay around that long to pay my bills. It's morally, I need you to do this because I, I would feel awful leaving you in 12 weeks and just saying, go about things yeah. where it's like minimum time to work with me is six months because I don't feel comfortable with anything else for 99% of my clients. Like there's a few outliers where it's like, Oh, in three months, they could be good to go, yeah. but really making sure that I'm setting them up and not just getting them. I can get anyone weight loss but is it going to be sustainable? Did I teach you something? Are you going to have to hire another coach in a few months because I didn't actually teach you what I set out to teach you um, or show you the process of what's going on? Like weight loss, fat loss. Yeah, we can all do it. Calories in, calories out, simplified, whatever. But are you building something that you can actually stick with? And that's more what I care about than being able to post like a cool transformation on my page. hundred
0: percent. I love that. I think that's so important. I think um, everything you said goes really well aligned with what I try to preach on the podcast. So it's nice to have a female voice speaking it and speaking it loud. <laughs> um, the time thing is just so crucial. And I think like people got to be aware too, the more advanced you get, the slower that muscle gain is. Yeah. So the more time you need, um, cause there's a lot of, when we were talking about, uh, uh, this yesterday, I've had women that have gained quick and stayed lean, but it's because they never touched bodybuilding or ate at or above maintenance mm-hmm. in their life. So it was such a dramatic change that we see fast results. It's the same reason why, like I remember when this is, I was 18 when I started losing weight, 18, 19, I lost like 45, 50 pounds. And then I like hired a coach and he was like, dude, you need to put on muscle. Cause I just got skinny fat. It was the same thing. I was Mm -hmm. chasing a number. Um, And I gained like 10 pounds in probably like 16 to 20 weeks. And I stayed, I got leaner, but I was 19 years old, brand new to lifting. I had just done like cardio and dieting up until that point. That's never going to happen for mm-hmm. me ever again. So right now I'm chasing, like, if I get a pound a month, I'm, like, pretty damn happy. Yeah. And, like, I can push that to, like, two or three, but I know there's going to be some fat with that, and that's okay. Um, but I think people need to be aware, like, actually, the more experience you get, the smarter you get, Yeah. the more time you invest, the longer it takes, the more patience you have to get. So I'm glad that we touched on that, too. Um, is there anything else that you want to uh, – kind of leave the people with like one final piece of advice for all the women listening who are are chasing a better physique and who are seeing these Instagram models and athletes that they aspire to look like but maybe are a little impatient.
1: Yeah. I would say first is to kind of address where you're at, where you want to be, make sure you have that outline of what your goals are, but also being able to take into account what's going on in your life. So I had a client who recently got married. She wanted to start a prep right after she got married. And I was like, I'd like you to take a second to kind of address, is it going to be the best time for your marriage to be able to start a prep right now? Because I can tell you like a prep is stressful in a relationship. And I think that you're going to want to enjoy some time with your husband Mm -hmm. and like a, month after her wedding, she was like, you were so right. I don't want to do that. Um, I want to be able to enjoy this and then go into a prep. So be able to look at your goals, but also look at the timeline of your life and kind of what that looks like. Um, and more than anything, being able to recognize that it's not a race. I know so many people say it's about the journey X, Y, and Z. It's not about the the destination, but it truly, when you look back at it, you're not going to look back in 10 years and be like, Oh, it took me 12 weeks to lose 20 pounds or whatever, you're going to think, Oh, I lost the weight and I kept it off. And I'm looking back 10 years later and feeling good about that. Mm -hmm. Um, instead of trying to cut corners and figure out what works best for someone else, applying that to your life. That's what I struggled with for so long was taking what someone whose body I wanted to acquire, trying to copy everything that they were doing and constantly struggling because I wasn't reaching my goals when I didn't look at how their life differed from me, how our mentality is different, how our activity levels Yeah. So many different things I didn't look at. I just looked at she has a physique I want. I'm going to do exactly what she does. Um, So being able to and when clients ask me for suggestions, even on meal, what meal, what food should I eat? I'm like, it doesn't matter what I eat. It matters what you eat and if you like what you eat. So, that. what do you don't... eat for breakfast? Well, <laughs> I'm like,
0: oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry
1: about it. It doesn't matter. Um, but being able to take that and apply it to yourself, yeah. don't take it and try to copy, take it and apply it to yourself. And, and it's okay to do trial and error. I didn't figure it all out in one go whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I still am finding ways that I can be better at things. And ways that and processes and putting systems in place that are not only going to help me with my physique, but also help me with food, but also help me with my business. I'm still learning that along the way and being able to recognize like what works for you right now, isn't always going to work for you. And that's okay. It doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It just means that you sometimes need to change the game plan. You sometimes need to do trial and error and it's okay if what you're doing, isn't the same thing someone else is doing and they're seeing results like it's okay. You can kind of stay in your own lane. So I would say those are the things that I struggled with so much was recognizing that I was a different human than someone else. And it's okay that my story looks different than theirs. And again, it's a cliche and people say, don't compare your chapter one to a different book, whatever it may be. But truly the second I realized like it really doesn't matter what the crap anyone else is doing, what am I doing? And is it serving me? Um, And am I making the progress in the direction that I want to?
0: I love it. I think the, from, from my perspective, what I take away from what you just said in the whole podcast in general for the people listening, patience, education, and stop comparing. Yes. And I think we all suffer with comparing, but I think those are three really, really big takeaways that will apply to anybody to really achieve the best physique possible. Um, where can everybody find you, uh, your content and all that stuff?
1: Yeah, I'm mostly on Instagram at Sue Gaines, S U E G A I N Z. Um, and then our website, physiquedevelopment.com. Um, and our YouTube channel is physique development as well. We are actually here in Seattle filming a lot of content. So, um, we've gotten a lot of videos in the past few weeks, um, written a lot of articles. So go check it out on physiquedevelopment.com and You can also email me, I guess, if you would like to, Sue (laughs) at PhysiqueDevelopment.com.
0: Perfect. We'll, uh, We'll link all those in the show notes. Perfect. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering. And because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor